And welcome everybody into the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry. Part of the Radio Influence Network is the Landry Football Podcast. Check out their great programming there. They have got a whole lot to get to. Um, We've got a great offer of football TV. Um, Great gift idea as we are in Christmas. You know, I know it's maybe a little late. Maybe you haven't done your shopping. I have got a great gift idea that I'm going to tell you about um, that uh, for you, for a loved one that you can give and you can do it real simple and get it done. And there you go. It's there and uh, you can take care of a last minute gift idea. If you're the one that says, hey, you know, I don't need to have it for Christmas. I'm going to do it between Christmas and New Year's. You could do it then. But if you're sick of cable, uh, you can switch to football TV for live sports and primetime events. Uh, and it is a fraction of the cost, and it's where you want to go, and you can find it at footballtv.com slash Landry. I'm going to tell you more about it in a second, as this podcast is brought to you by the great folks at Football TV. F-U-B-O-T-V is how it is. Uh, if you are hopefully listening to this podcast, part of the uh, uh, either at LandryFootball.com or you're watching us on Twitch TV, you can watch it live on Twitch TV. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on Twitch TV, and you can uh, watch us there. Um, Want a reminder about LandryFootball.com, um, where you can get all the detailed film room analysis of the college game, the pro game. You can get um, the game previews, the game breakdowns, the game reviews, player grades. We've got all the bowl matchups that we are working one by one through all the NFL matchups as we head towards the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, recruiting breakdowns, evaluation of players, um, draft breakdowns, um, going to be heavy into that. Those of you who haven't been with us on that, uh, you you want to do it. So again, um, so pleased to be brought by Football TV, this Landry Football podcast. But check out LandryFootball.com for all of that. Take advantage of the holiday savings there. That'll get you on board with everything that we've got um, and a great holiday gift there. So what a package to have. LandryFootball.com and Football TV. More about that in a second. I want to talk a little bit in an overview and maybe we'll get into some specifics and we certainly take your questions. Those of you that are in the comment section, uh, we are here to answer your questions uh, and, and we'll get into different things, but I want to want to talk a little bit about what I'm sensing and I've been involved in um coaching search work for a while. Now, how do you get involved in coaching searches? Well, it's by accident. It's not really something I wanted to do or felt was a profession. And it's not really a profession. It's just a, a part of what I do. But um, how I, I got started in it was, you know, when you have been around the business in a while, um, you, you, you know, people, you get to know people. It's like any profession. Uh, if you're going to try to hire someone in your profession, someone who works in that profession and knows the people in the profession will have a better idea of who's capable, who's not, who's really responsible for this and that. Then you get to know the people who are doing the recommending, meaning if you got people and we all have these people that we know that maybe recommend their friends and then you end up not being really good people. Well then, well, that doesn't work out. That's not good. That doesn't help you. And so I always, um, looked at it that way. Um, I guess my first, um, venture into being able to help communicate and recommend was when I was a college coach at LSU. So in addition to really working on field, but focus mainly in recruiting, it's not like it is today. We have all these sorts of analysts. We we wore a lot of hats. 
One of the things I did, obviously, I broke down our upcoming opponents, breaking down tape, doing analysis of what we're doing on offense and defense, as well as working on the field, but mainly evaluating recruiting prospects as well. In addition to that, I was the guy that was responsible for being the pro liaison. What is that? I was the guy that NFL scouts, general managers, when they came on campus, talked to about our players, uh, to tell them about them, their background, give recommendations. And so I did that, and it's kind of helped that. I also was able to help a couple of fellow coaches that I with openings and what might happen. In fact, um, I helped one coach get a job that I thought was really good who ended up recommended me. And, and again, yeah, coach is a friend, but obviously the reason why it worked is that I recommend somebody that, that ended up being really good. Look, believe it or not, there's some people that recommend their friends and they may be blinded. Maybe they have a higher opinion of that person because they have a connection with that person and they like them. Or sometimes they really know that the guy is not that good, but they're good friends and they've helped him. So you're going to do a solid because the guy did a solid for you. Those are all not good reasons to hire folks. And my view is I go back again to when I was recommending players in college. A lot of people recommend all their players. This guy's great. That guy's great. Well, here's the problem with that. You can't hide from what you do. If I say every player is a great kid, every player is somebody you want your daughter to marry. Well, if it's true, it's one thing. If it's true, you probably don't know these players as well as you think, because not everybody is somebody that you want your daughter or sister to marry. But if you recommend players and they are not what you say they are, then your word's not that good. And so I learned very on that very early on that I'm going to be honest. And if a guy's not that hard of a worker, the guy's a little soft, the guy's a little militant. If he's a little bit of a locker room lawyer, I shot straight with him. Why? Because when I tell you, this guy is a alpha dog leader. He's a guy you want you damn well better believe it that I'm shooting straight with you. Now, whether I'm right or wrong, time will tell on, on, on the guy's ability, but I will shoot you straight on what the guy is or isn't. That earns a lot of respect. And quite frankly, um, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about the NFL. I it was probably the reason why I got an opportunity in the NFL. So I go into the NFL and, and now I'm, you know, I'm coaching, with Belichick, learning from Belichick, but I'm also on the road doing the personnel stuff. So I'm around all these colleges. Um, and I, while I was at LSU, I was doing part-time work for one of the scouting organizations, Blesto, which stood for Bears, Lions, Eagles, Steelers, Talent Organization. And so I got an entree into scouting and, and, and knew a lot of coaches around the country. But then I, when you get into scouting, you're around all these practices. You're looking at all this film. You're talking to all these coaches. You know all these guys. And then you get to know all the people in the NFL. And then some go from college to the NFL, NFL college. So you develop a relationship with who's really got the goods and who doesn't. And so I remember, you know, um, Belichick asking me to do a project for him once where I put together a dossier because I had recommended a couple of coaches and it just hit. And so he said, you know, who do you really like? And I went at, knowing how Bill liked things done. I put together stuff in a three ring binder and, um, that is still up there actually. <clears throat> and, um, but it's updated in modern versions of, scouting reports on coaches and how to evaluate. And I knew what Bill liked. I knew what other coaches liked. And I put it into a, I'm from Louisiana. So a pot of gumbo of how you'd like to do it. And that's kind of the way I, I went about the process. So in doing so, 
you, you start to get a feel for how to do it. Well, I admit that everybody has their signature moment. And I guess my signature moment was I recommended an assistant coach on our staff in Cleveland for the head coaching job at LSU. Back when LSU hired Jerry DiNardo, I'd recommended Nick Saban for the job. Um, no one knew Nick Saban. Very few people knew who Nick Saban was. Um, I was as sure about Nick Saban as anybody. Uh, they didn't hire him at LSU. They weren't paying a lot of money then, and they hired DiNardo, and they did. Um, then, of course, Michigan State got on a Michigan State. Brass knew about him, but, you know, uh, long story short, we all know that the next time around, we were able to get Nick Saban over at LSU. And LSU was my school, graduated there, coached there. So it meant a lot to me. Well, I don't know how many people know this, but even with Nick's success, he had one year at Toledo and he had some success at Michigan State. Folks, it was not a popular hire at LSU. It was not at all. Um, it was a lot of, and I wasn't in the media or doing anything in, in, in doing interviews and whatnot, but it was, and it was not social media era and all that. <clears throat> if this was this era, it would have been roundly booed and frowned upon because that's exactly what the feeling was in Louisiana. I mean, it was negative Nelly all over. I mean, you cannot believe this. You, you, are you kidding me? This guy's never been in the South. He's never recruited. It's not a fit. It's not this, it's not going to work. Well, one of the things that I thought would make it work. And we talked about, um, the recent situation at Auburn was, the fit and the people involved. Well, I, one of the reasons why I felt, felt Nick would work because Nick had concerns about the job itself was Mark Emmert, who's now the NCAA president. And the fact that he was going to give Nick the control. I knew if Nick had the control to do it and build it the way he wanted, he'd be, he'd be successful. So we talked about earlier today on the Auburn coaching search, um, Brian Harson if given the opportunity can be successful. Now what that means for the Auburn folks just really depends on how they view it, how they feel it, what type of patience. And we know what their expectation is, but allow him to do what he needs to do. And here's my attitude. If you're not going to allow the coach, the free latitude to do what he wants, then you can't properly evaluate them. So you just, you know, you ought to really consider that. So when Nick Saban hit, it helped. Um, Bob Stoops to Oklahoma hit. Kurt Ferens to Iowa hit. So I developed a little bit, and it wasn't like, oh, boy, I got this, you know, ability. It's not that difficult when you're around it and live it every day. So that's how I kind of went into it. Well, I think those of you that listen and watch know that when I left the Titans, when my parents were uh, ill and moved back to Louisiana, uh, I continued to do scouting work and formed a consulting business and um, continued to do scouting work for teams. Still do that, do NFL scouting work, college player scouting work. But then one of the other things that just I've hung on to is the coaching search stuff. And so that brings us full circle kind of where I am. And what do I do? No, I don't hire guys for teams, for schools. That's not what I do. That's not, should not be my role. It should be the schools that decide who's a fit for them. I will give my opinion when asked, but more importantly, I will give a evaluation, a scouting report on a coach, much like I do with players that ought to give them a good feel. Uh, if you don't go through the exercise of writing a scouting report on a coach, if you don't know how to do it, then you're not doing it right. The whole, like everybody else does out there in the world of fandom or media, let's put up a list of names. I like that guy. Oh, he did that. I saw him in that game. Let's do that. He'd be good. Boom. You know, and then let's throw it against the wall. And if it works, yeah, I knew that, you know, um, 
no, I knew that. Well, that's just guessing, and you might luck up and be right. You might luck up and be wrong. Who knows? Um, you really need to be thorough, and you really need to do your background. It is about fit. It is about making sure that staff development is so important. It is more than just about one coach, but who else would you bring, and how does it mesh and work? I think those things are important. I think those things are real important. Just think about this. We saw a magical year at LSU a year ago. Joe Brady was hired, had never been close to being a coordinator, wasn't even a position coach with the Saints. Works with Steve Ensminger. So egoless both of those guys were that along with a great quarterback, great talent, don't underestimate that for a second. But the harmonious way that that staff work was great. Scott Linehan, a proven NFL head coaching coordinator, all those credentials comes in. The, the, the relationship wasn't quite as seamless. Oh, Joe Burrow wasn't there. All the great talent had left. All of that had a great deal to do with it. But I'm not talking about the result. I'm talking about the process just didn't go as smooth because didn't have that type of relationship. It matters. All of that does matter. So uh, I think it's important to understand how to put it together. But what I wanted to talk a little bit about is something I touched upon uh, recently and earlier today in another forum was the new age of coaching searches. Or we're entering a new age. And what I, what do I mean by that? There is an old political axiom. If you're trying to pass a bill, you're trying to do something, what do they do? They float it out to the media. And let's see where the public takes it. Polls say 60, 80% are against it. We're not doing that. Let's pull that off the table. Uh, many uh, say that um, this is a good thing. Hey, we're for that. That's politics. We're seeing in a lot of searches, it's a lot of politics. First of all, we have more people that are not from a football background. You know, first of all, presidents of the university, and I mean, who's, who's going to be from a football background? I mean, uh, Jim Trestle dabbled into university administration as a football coach. There was a few and far between. Um, athletic directors used to be ex-coaches. No more rare cases, but not many are like that. So they don't know. They're not from that business. They don't swim in it every day. They have to rely on other people. You rely on other people. You're relying upon what they tell you. Are they right? Are they wrong? You got to know. You got to know. And that's that. You got to know firsthand. I always say I'm not smart enough to figure out secondhand information. And I tell you that Auburn's going to, they want to go out and hire Kevin Steele. It's because I talked to the guys that are doing the hiring. Know what Kevin said. I know what Jimmy Rain says. I know what the athletic director at Auburn said because I talked to all of them personally. I know where they were headed. The fact that it switched is what I want to talk about. All the news that came out in this Auburn search, much like it did with the Tennessee search with Greg Schiano, it blew up. Now, Seattle's situation was done. They were going to hire him, and Twitter blew up, and they rescinded this. The Auburn situation didn't go down quite that far. It was, we're going to hire Steele, and that got out. How did it really get out that Steele was the guy? Alan Green, the athletic director, made sure that that got out because he wasn't comfortable with that, and he had no power. The power was with mainly Jimmy Rain, who was the key booster that wanted to ramrod Kevin Steele in. Again, I love Kevin Steele. Uh, I don't know that he was the right fit for Auburn. I, I just think he's, you, you know, it, it might have worked out for Kevin had he been there. I don't know. We'll never know because they went in a different direction. The point, we've rehashed that. I don't want to rehash it. We've, we've hashed that, I should say. So, as Alan Green lets that out, the, the public backlash 
made it so that even the key money-making boosters, see, no one group of individuals are going to be able to have that type of power. But collectively, we are seeing a little bit of, we don't want that guy. That's not going to work. We don't support that. And the trust me when I tell you, the PR backlash affected it. They may say it didn't. I'm telling you it did. And it led to some talks of with other people that weren't legitimate talks. They were kind of some sham interviews because I don't like you, Freeze. I think he's good. I don't like Billy Napier. I think he'd be good. I don't like, um, you know, Brent Venables. I think he'd be good. I don't. And then, you know, until they got to somebody that says, well, I'm not against that. I'm, I'm open to that. And they end up going out of the box, out of the region, and finding their guy. Finding their guy. And there we've got Brian Harson. Well, my point I'm trying to make is: is this a little bit of a trend? Do we have enough passionate fan bases that are clamor for a certain guy? I mean, we know that everybody at Texas wanted Urban Meyer, and probably all their fans did. Proven guy, Urban doesn't want to coach. So they kind of back off of it. They don't have another plan that they is workable that's universally agreed upon. So boom. But but the point in this is that we have seen now in the Tennessee situation, in the Auburn situation, two fan bases that knock somebody out of the position. Again, completely knocked out Greg Shiano, who had had the job at Tennessee that was offered and agreed upon. Auburn didn't go quite far down that path, but I find it interesting in that it does have some impact. Um, I think when you're dealing with a lot of fan bases and maybe not everybody from a booster standpoint is all on the same boat of what they should do, I think that has an impact. And I think that might've had an impact in this situation. So. One of the things I always tell folks about coaching searches, having been around them, is <clears throat> understanding who's doing the hiring, who's doing the vetting, what's their agenda. Everybody thinks it's the athletic director. Well, the athletic director is maybe the one and only say-so in some cases, all the way to they don't have much of a say-so. Uh, at least at some point they're involved. They may be informed of certain things. They may be directly involved in the entire process. You don't know. All I try to do is best I can explain the local politics as I know it. And I'm not, really into the news breaking business, but I'm in more of the, let's tell you behind the scenes, what goes on. And I think it's always interesting to see how things play out. Most of the time when the process is taking place, I see it happen daily, but, but this situation or in any situation, it happens, you know, hourly. I mean, things change. Um, is always like to say, I it's hard to stay off the phone this time of year. And thank God for text, but dealing with the agents and listen, a lot of the information you can get is not about information you get. So the media is often used. So what you hear in the media is often being put out there for a purpose. And it's important to be able to read the tea leaves and understand what's behind why somebody's putting out a message. There's always a reason. I always say somebody tells me they're going to do something. I say, why are they telling me that they're going to do this? They want me to say it. Well, I'm not going to say it because again, I think you're being used and I think I don't want to put forth somebody's agenda. Um, I will say what I think, but I think a lot of this is just, you know, everyone wants to have information and I know sources and this and that I, I, I don't sources don't matter to me. You know, the only thing that matters is the people that are making the decision. Again, I'm not smart enough to figure out 
who to believe on a second hand. Because how do I know that they know? And the whole, my sources, well, who's your sources? Well, I can't say, well, you know, I'll tell you who my sources are, you know, um, Jimmy rain and Billy Napier, Jimmy Sexton, you know, the athletic directors, that's who I directly talk with. But again, you've got to be able to take what they say and interpret it and understand the meaning. Most of what I get is what I feel based upon what I know is happening and not just what I'm being told. I think it's important. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, I can't hear you because your words drown out what you're doing. And that's kind of how I approach it. So um, I think it's really, really important to understand that the message of the fans are becoming more and more of a factor. I don't think there is any doubt. Now, it's not that the fans clamored for Brian Harson. In fact, the opposite. I don't think anybody saw this coming. But the fans clamored against the what was the ramrodding of Kevin Steele and the other guys that were quote-unquote candidates were not given what we'd call real interviews or opportunities because there was opposition to all of them. There wasn't really the opposition to this guy. Uh, there may be concerns about whether he's the right fit down the road, but they really feel like we can we can mitigate those issues because of us, you know, meaning the Auburn folks. So those are things that um, that I think are are important to understand. Always understand this on coaching searches. What may make sense to you may not make sense. To other folks. Um, and I know this is hard to believe, but whether it's a coach making a decision on a coach, I'll hear this a lot. Why did so-and-so fire this guy? Uh, all those guys has injuries. Uh, it's not his fault. Um, you don't know. He's not necessarily firing the D line coach because the D line didn't play well. And they had all those injuries. Maybe communication issues. It may be how they're teaching it, regardless who's available. There are things that are happening. It may be effort. It may be unwillingness to work together. There are a lot of things that are uncovered. Over at Baylor, Dave Aranda fired two guys on his offensive staff, his offense coordinator and his passing game coordinator, mainly because they didn't work together well. And there were some questions about work ethic and they had a whole bunch of issues with COVID and everything. Well, why would you fire a guy after one year? And one of them, he worked with at LSU. It's not necessarily a panic move. It's he knows something or he believes something because he is, has access to it every day. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes that, you know, and so what you think doesn't mean you're right or wrong, but what you think is what you know from the seat that you sit in, which is not on the inside. I, who may have connections and a pretty good feel for what might be going on, I am not in any of those buildings every day. So I can't say with 100% certainty, yeah, this, this, this. I may, you know, from this guy and that guy have a feeling of what might have taken place but I don't know with a hundred percent certainty. So it leads for some things that are decisions that are made that whether they work out or not, there are reasons behind every decision and the results are obviously important. But as we always say, the process of how you're getting there, um, once you know, you need to make a move, you've got to get on it and make the move because you don't have much time today to correct it at any level. Um, if you make a move and it doesn't work out, or if you, if you feel like you've got the right people in place that you just need more time, then what you need to do is stay the course and you need to have the spine to do it because the likelihood of making changes and it gelling quick enough for you to turn it around. That's a tough, that's a tough one. Um, it's why 
coaching searches for the head coach and just as important for his staff is integral to the success. It is pivotal, just like recruiting. The whole development process is about who you put as a staff, how hard they work, the philosophies, the egos, the blending, all of those things are critically important. And if you fail to do it correctly, then you got to get it fixed and you got to get it fixed correctly because if you get it fixed and you start to turn it around, but you don't win enough games, very often you're gone. I don't think we have enough patience and stability that leads to most of the problems in coaching. But in order to have stability, you have to have built that good foundation. So the whole thing about staffs and coaching hires and coaching searches is, you build a good foundation, and then you build upon that, and then you 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 start to build something that is with that can withstand issues, and can withstand coaches leaves because you're successful, or you got to get rid of this guy because you're not real successful. Everybody has that, but you have to have a strong enough foundation. So, but you can't be stable if you don't have a good foundation. If you don't have a good foundation, then you kind of need to start over and start the foundation again. So. What's the issue in identifying, do I have the foundation? And a coach will have an opinion on it. But when you don't have football people in a position in college, and we'll get in the NFL in a second, identifying, yeah, we, we, got, we got a good, we got a good um, foundation here. No, I'm not seeing the foundation. That's why I think it's really important to have as important as football is, and I'm biased, okay? So I'm a football guy. I think with all the money that they make, it's important. You know, some people have the title of general manager in college. They're not general managers. They work for the coach. They just do a lot of administrative stuff that the coach doesn't want to do. There probably ought to be good football people that can evaluate the entire coaching staff that, um, and look, I mean, if they hired more of those people, then it would probably hurt my business because doing that on the outside is something I can do to a point, but I can't do it as good as if you're working at a school. I, I would recommend in a lot of cases to have a quote unquote general manager type that has a football background, that has a coaching background that can go in and evaluate what you're doing and make an assessment and maybe help the coach. But the egos and the power, you know, you in some cases, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have somebody that's going to oversee it at Alabama that's going to oversee Nick Saban. Some places, it's maybe a detractor. But I think having the ability to evaluate and have people that know what they're doing, oh, there's a lot of guys that think they know but don't know, and it leads to problems. I mean, um, there was um, – you know, an ex football player at LSU that, that I actually coach that is an, an assistant AD there that, um, that recommended strongly that they hire Bo Pelini at LSU. And, um, cause Bo had been there at LSU. There's somebody that knew Bo and knew Ed and couldn't figure out that that was a clash. I did. And, you know, it listened to him and to large part, is um, that it blew up. Sometimes you make misevaluations on that. On the NFL side, it is really important that your general manager, in my opinion, have a football background. Uh, if the head coach is the key football guy and there's a general manager underneath him, it's workable. It can absolutely happen. It does work. What's important is that they work together, not necessarily who has the final say. But I think it's important that you've got to have somebody that can evaluate both, that can evaluate the personnel side, can evaluate the coaching side. How do we get better? How do we hire better scouts? How do we we put together a better plan? You've got to have that figured out, and you've got to do it collectively. And one of those things I think are in um, important – is that you have someone with a football background that can assess what's going on and maybe tell the head coach what he needs to hear, not necessarily what he wants to hear. 
you have that a little bit more in the NFL because you don't have it at all in college, but you're seeing less and less, which is why you have problems with coaching hires in the NFL and miss hires there because you don't have less and less football people making those decisions. Um, but it is really important <clears throat> that to notice that if there seems to be a groundswell, and I don't know that we'd see it um, at a lot of places, but the Twitter social media or Twitter or all social media could be Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, whatever they all are now that, that that process of social media with fan backlash is having more of an impact than I ever thought it would. Cause I always said, look, you, you can think that, but it really doesn't matter. It matters what these guys think. This is what's really important. This is what's really pertinent. And yet collectively there's some voice, there's some power and uh, that may be a bad thing. It may be a good thing. I'm not saying it's good and bad, but it certainly had an impact on the Auburn search. So along with that, man, we appreciate all your support. Look at this Jig's dad and Woodshed King and rock Westfall and rich coach and Spartan Barton and Burns, uh, all of you with some great, um, uh, thoughts Woodshed King cheering a hundred. Great. Appreciate you doing, appreciate you cheering us on, uh, make sure you're subscribing to the Twitch uh, channel as well. Great hearing about your background. Chris, I was a scouting liaison in my past as well. Keys is to be upfront with your players and the scouts. Absolutely appreciate you. Um, Rock, the great irony is that your buddy Belichick seems to be all football and no politics. He is, but he has complete control because of who he is. Um, that wasn't always the case um, in Cleveland. I can tell you, like politics, sometimes it takes an outsider that comes out of nowhere over the establishment. Very true there. Uh, what is the criteria for being a head coach at USC considering their politics? Well, Here's the issue, um, and Rich Coach, I know where you're going with it, but want to make sure a lot of our Southern folks think USC could be South Carolina. It's University of Southern California is what Rich is referring to. At least I think that's what you're referring to, Rich. That's what I'm going with. USC is another case where it's been very political with they like their own Trojan guys, athletic directors. and all. Now, they got an athletic director in Mike Bone that doesn't have that background. They finally broke that cycle with the Lynn Swan and the Pat Hayden guys. Ex-Trojans guys have been through the program, believe it. They they are big on the Trojan circuit, the, um, you know, with the alumni, a lot of famous alumni. Now, USC is different. Here's what's different about USC. I tell people the passion for USC football, the politics, the the backstabbing, the glad handling, the good old boy is all the same. The difference is that it's in Los Angeles. So when you're talking about it at Auburn or at Alabama or any places in the South, um, everybody's focused on it. The, 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 large majority of the population is at least involved or interested in it. You go to Los Angeles, there's a large percent of the population don't even know where the hell USC is. And then I know it's a university, you know, but the people that do obviously are very, very passionate. It's just that they're a group that's swallowed up by the bigger population base. Um, I believe they would love a guy like Urban Meyer to come in and do his thing, but Urban Meyer doesn't want to coach. What they they want is somebody that can represent the USC, the Trojan brand. What they need is somebody that is a leader, somebody that can hire a good staff um, and evaluate recruits well. USC always has an advantage. You're not going to beat USC on a Southern California kid. It's just about make sure you're offering the right ones. USC in that league, that no conference, not even Alabama in their dominance, no school overshadows their conference more than USC. USC is the Pac-10, Pac-10 is the USC. 
Texas is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is Texas. The SEC, Alabama, but there's other people that can win there and win successfully there. The ACC, Clemson's the dominant program, but historically, that hasn't always been the case. Um, the Big Ten, absolutely. No one dominates the Big Ten like Ohio State, but historically, Michigan's been really good, not recently. USC, it's always been USC. They don't always win it every year, but their brand overshadows everyone. The Michigan brand's pretty big. Um, everyone takes a backseat to the USC brand. There's no excuse. And and the path there is not that difficult. And the fact that they're struggled as much as they have, um, it's a problem. There again, the right people you got to mix in with. And I think they need to go forward with it. A guy like Brian Harson, by the way, uh, is somebody they, I know, have had interest in. Wasn't interested in going to USC, ironically, for the politics. I think the other thing that scares some folks away is they pay well at USC. Man, you got to pay awfully well. I mean, what you pay, <clears throat> what you pay for the coach in Iowa City, just imagine. To pay the equivalent of that and live in L.A., you'd have to pay them $25 million a year. Keep in mind that coaches can still live well on a head coach salary at USC in LA, but the assistants now, they don't pay their assistants, the coordinators, two and a half, three million a year there. Look, I mean, USC's gotten away with what they've done with their boosters is they've helped certain guys like Norm Child in the past and what on, on Pete's staff, I know. They'll give like housing allowances and things that to offset because you can't buying property there, renting there. It's ridiculously high. And, you know, so when you're talking about all these assistants making a lot of money, money doesn't go as far there. And they think, well, it's USC. You should be honored to coach it. Well, you are. But when I can go coach somewhere else and make more money and keep more of that money, it's not what you make, it's what you save. Not everybody is open to that. I think there's some challenges for USC with that. I think it's something that they've got to look at. It's something that in this budget, and listen, the Pac-12 with their TV deals don't make the money that the SEC does. So I think as much money as USC makes, they don't make as much as some of the big-time programs like in the SEC and those programs in the SEC. It's just think it's a lot cheaper to live in Tuscaloosa or Auburn or Athens or Baton Rouge or Gainesville or any of those places in the SEC. Uh, even at a big city like Nashville, which is a growing, you know, mini Atlanta, and it's expensive. To, it ain't nothing like L.A. So it's it's the right fit is is always a challenge. Um, Rock Westfall is uh, why did Aranda flop so badly? Well, Aranda hadn't flop, Rock. I mean, he had an awful year at Baylor to, in some respects. They actually played well if you watch them on tape. Lots of guys that left, lots of COVID issues. I know everybody has, probably no one had as many cancellations and stops and starts. What he did poorly, and I'll say flopped, is on his hires. He misevaluated that. There is a problem, no question. But I don't think, I don't know that, well, I don't know. It's semantics to me. I guess flop is not a bad way to describe it in some respects, but I don't I don't know that I would say that that is something that that I would say is is necessarily uh, a, a biggest problem. Um what happened to Larry Fedora overall good run at Southern Miss? Uh good 4 or 5 years at UNC and yeah, was a hot candidate. Remember they won that division and was going to be in the shortlist for AM before long before well, that's about a year before they were going to run Kevin Sumlin out. Um, look, it's hard to put your finger on it. Uh, he had a, a magical run. Sustainability is key. A lot of guys have success sustaining it. Personnel recruiting was the biggest problem. Lots of guys left at North Carolina. Couldn't replace him. Good coach, but you know, 
problems at Baylor, not a lot of success. I think a lot of egos happen at Baylor on the staff. And that's where I will go ahead and give it to you that rock that, that probably there was a flop and certainly some of the hires, but I don't, I don't think it's like, well, so why did he flop? Well, he made some bad hires. I don't think he flopped in anything else. I think the guy's a good coach. I think could do a really good job. Um, is talking about rich coach us it's more of a basketball town in la with the lakers and clippers well there's more to do in la it's more about there's a lot of things to do you can go our north and go skiing snow skiing you can go our south and be on the beach you got that you got the lakers you got the dodgers you've got all of that um i don't know i mean it's a you know it's a front runner town but the the usc base the football base they're passionate it's just they're they're a they're a big group but they're in a much bitter you know so if you look at the group the group is significant but it gets swallowed up in the big city whereas you take that same group and put it in on a tuscaloosa or a baton rouge or that 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 incorporates the majority of the people in in cities like that so it's it's a different situation chris do you think you have a good idea what Dino is making. Media reports say 4.5. We don't release that. Um, my understanding, it's not quite that. But with a couple of flirtations, I don't I don't know. Um, remind me. I'll check into it. Um, so, uh, it's interesting. I didn't know this. Central New York is inexpensive, um, relatively speaking. Um, uh, obviously, not like cost of living in the city. I knew that. You're not like uh, I, I wouldn't have thought it was that inexpensive compared to New York City. Is what you're saying? Uh, but I would. I, I'm curious to see. I don't know the numbers. I'm curious to see what the cost of living is in Central New York to a lot of Southern cities. I guess it's still more. It's still more. Any Northeast city. Uh, is still more expensive. Um, Larry Smith was fired at USC in part for saying kids didn't care about tradition anymore. Is he vindicated? Um, well, Larry Smith was a guy that was an outsider that never got quite along and changed the size of the Trojan on the helmet, pissed some people off. Uh, I do think that the tradition and part of it, Larry was a good coach. God rest his soul. We lost Larry. Larry did a good job at Tulane. Larry did a good job at, um, Arizona got the you're talking about a guy that did a good job at Arizona. Dick Tomey did, but Larry Smith did before him. Knew Larry very well at Tulane. Um, you know, I, I you know I think there's part of it. Look, I think that look, I, all you need to know about USC and all they're done and all that, all this talk about what's wrong, Pete Carroll, folks, everything is fixable. Pete Carroll came in. He hired well, he recruited well, he developed well. There's nothing wrong with USC other than they're not being run properly. You know, Pete Carroll said, showed that there's nothing wrong with it. And that's right. There's nothing wrong. I mean, look, you can say there's a lot wrong with Texas. Well, they, they can't find the right guy. Get the right guy in, you can fix it. They haven't found the right guy. <clears throat> um. Burns, does UCLA football just not have the same amount of support as USC? Oh, not even close. Not even close. Let me tell you, UCLA football, they, until recently, did not even have a nutrition program there. It's one of the good things about Chip Kelly. The best thing about Chip Kelly, he didn't win a game at UCLA. He's bringing some things that UCLA hasn't had. It there's, it's a beautiful campus. Um, it's not been Terry Downey had a great run, did good things. UCLA should be a top twenty program, but the support of UCLA versus USC is completely different. Now UCLA is the most applied to school in these here United States. More people. It's a public school. Um, it's applied to by more people than any school in this country. Um, and it's a great school. It is a unbelievable campus. If you go on campus and you like beauty and you like, you know, it is just, you go there and you think 
I've died and gone to heaven. But now the passion there is not nearly the same as the USC never has been. Um, New Heisel um, said he was not given time there. Uh, well, I, Rick thinks that. The problem with Rick is Rick, every place he's been, it got worse. The longer he was at Colorado, the worse Colorado got, and he jumped to Washington. And and he got run out of there, obviously, but that program regressed. Um, I don't think time would have been Rick's friend at UCLA personally, but but there are bigger issues there. Said he recruited the quarterback, would have saved him, but Moore got the glory instead. Well, um, I don't know. Uh, Rick has had uh, three bites at the apple and has not been successful at either one. Um, Chris, cost of living in Syracuse, 5% lower than Baton. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, cost of living here is really low. That is, that is a great nugget there. I would not have known that. Um, you know, I don't really study the cost of living that much. That's, that's a really good nugget. Um, that is, uh, that is real interesting. Um, want to get into a couple of things as relates to the bowl games and relates to, um, uh, real quick, some key games as we've got the Chuck Oliver show coming up just in a second. Um, I'm curious to see what bowl games hold up, but I'm curious to see how AM shows up. I'm curious to see how um, Cincinnati, Georgia. I'm curious to see how Florida, Oklahoma, obviously other than the playoff games. Those things really intrigue me. Check out the bowl previews on LandryFootball.com, game by game. Check out all the NFL previews, game by game, as well as all the playoff previews, all the nuggets on the coaching searches. We've got it all for you in detail. Take advantage of the uh, holiday savings special on LandryFootball.com. Great holiday gift. We'll get you all the inside information. A very blessed Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll be, I'll be back early next week. Happy new year to those of you who can't join us. Appreciate you more than, you know, appreciate all of you that are in the chat room. Appreciate all of your support, um, to the Landry football podcast and the great folks at radio influence. So we bid you adieu. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Talk to you next week, everybody.